Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about man's guilt and shame and God's grace and mercy. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for your spirit to teach us. Thank you for your plan, Lord, and thank you for your son who executed that plan so that we could be saved. Lord, Moses, our teacher, taught us that the eternal God is our refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Help us today to run to you, Lord Jesus, to, as our refuge and to trust in your everlasting arms to hold us and not drop us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now, if you follow along here in Genesis chapter 3, verses, verse 7, as I, as I read here, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And the, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, Thou art cursed above all cattle and above all be- every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And in sorrow shalt thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Sorns also and thistles shall it bring to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return." So many contrasts in this chapter, chapter 3. This is a chapter of contra- tremendous, just tremendous contrasts. It's a good chapter to memorize. Have you ever thought about cha- memorizing Genesis chapter 3? Very good chapter to memorize because there's just so many wonderful Bible truths. This chapter contains the great darkness. This chapter contains the one, a wonderful brightness. This chapter has got man's guilt in it, and it's got God's amazing grace, his amazing mercy. As a matter of fact, Peter uses a wonderful term, a wonderful title for God in 1 Peter 5.10. He calls God the God of all grace. Isn't that wonderful? The God of all grace. You can say yes, it's wonderful, it's okay. <laughs> you can nod. Do, anyway. The God of all grace, he, say, he calls him that, right? And this chapter, we see perfectly 
God as the God of all grace. He's coming to man. He's not giving man what he deserves. He's giving man what he doesn't deserve. So we see the ruin of man. We see God's remedy in this chapter. See the fall of man, the rise of man. It's just wonderful. See the death of the old creation. And we see the birth of the new creation, everything. Now, last time when we left off here, Adam and Eve had both eaten the fruit of the tree that God commanded them they shouldn't eat it. And we see what happened. We saw last week that they became aware of their sin. They became aware of their sin. They, they, they knew they sinned against God. I mean, it was a really happy life they had before. It was a low, we can imagine it. I mean, God filled their scope of their vision. It was just all they thought about all day long was God. And it was pleasant. And they thought about God and they talked about God. And they, what did they talk about? They talked about how good God was. That was the subject. They talked a lot about God. You know, it talks about believers in Malachi 3.16. And it says there, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. So you could say, you know, what were they talking about so much, these believers in Malachi 3.16? And it says, and the Lord hearkened, and he heard it, what they were talking about, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. That gives you the clue. That's what they were talking about, how good he was, his name. Believers, it's the same thing with Adam and Eve. They were talking about God before the fall. It was all about God, how good he was. They thought a lot about God. All day long, they were thinking about God. And you know what it was like? It was like dolce de leche. That's what it was. (laughs) Peaches and cream. It was just how sweet. It was sweet. They enjoyed those thoughts. Those that David talked about in Psalm 104, 34. He said, my meditation of him shall be sweet. He said, I'll be glad in the Lord. They talked about how caring God was to provide all those different kinds of food that he made there in the garden and all those different kinds of animals and all the interesting ways of those those animals. Just this morning, I was watching a little bird with the yellow chest and he was going all over this tree and and I don't even know what he was doing in there. But anyway, it was interesting to watch and that's what Adam and Eve did. They watched all these animals and the ways and talked about them and they they saw how God had taken such good care of them and you know what they called those things that God did they called them what David called them in Psalm 40 verse 5 he many O Lord my God are thy wonderful works full of wonder he called them wonderful works which thou hast done and then he says and thy thoughts which to us word they cannot be reckoned up in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. That's what King David said. He said, the thoughts, just were, they can't be reckoned up in order unto thee. So, in other words, David was saying, you know, I, I wanted to declare them. I wanted to make a sermon. That's what David was saying. So I started to make a list of all the, you know, to have a good organized sermon. David wanted to have a good organized sermon. So he starts to make a list of all the wonderful works, and he just gives up. And he says, I can't even write it down. He puts, his, he puts his pen down, and he worships God. And that's the way. They're just overwhelmed. So they talked about that. They met God there in the garden. It was just wonderful. And they, and they went over in their minds what God said. What did he say yesterday? What did he say last time we heard him? Proverbs 35 says, every word of God is pure. And they just delighted 
It was a great life. It was a happy life. They wanted to discover, what's God thinking about? I wonder why he said that. I wonder why he did that. Psalm 139, 17. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. It was a great life. Really, really a happy life. They were walking examples of what Deuteronomy 6, in that famous Shemaph chapter, said after the hero Israel, they were, Adam were, loving the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. They were talking about God when they were sitting down. What were they doing? They were talking about God. When they were walking, what were they doing? They were talking about God. When they were lying down, they were talking about God in their sleep. And when they were rising up, there was just, it was just, it was God, 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 all the time God, and then more God, and they were God-centered. You know, not, not like my cousin Nancy who said to me, Tommy, do we always have to talk about Jesus? It's my cousin Nancy. <laughs> well, Adam and Eve were always talking about Jesus. They were always talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't know him in that name yet, but that's what they were doing. But as soon as they sinned, just like that, as soon as they sinned, something immediately changed. It was an immediate change. And what happened? God just kind of went out of their sight. He just sort of passed away from their sight. And, 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 and instead, they couldn't see God anymore, but they saw themselves. And that wasn't so good. And so, because what they saw in themselves, they said, this has to be fixed. This is not good, what we're seeing here. We have to cover it. So the first thing they knew when they had disobeyed God is they knew they sinned. They knew it was conscious. They knew they disobeyed God. Something very, very different. Life was very, very different. It was very, very wrong. And, and now in front of them was this commandment of God that they had broken. You notice how he emphasized that when I was reading that? In, in verse 11, he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? And then he says, Whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat. And in verse 17, he also emphasized it. He said to Adam, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying thou shalt not eat it. What makes sin, sin? It's God's commandment. It's God's commandment. That's what made it simple. God told them not to do it. And when they did it, and God told them not to, that's a sin. That's why John says in 1 John 3, 4, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth, transgresseth. I know you have to have a speech impediment to say that. Transgresseth, transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Who gave the law? God. It's God's law. They knew they sinned. how they know? Because the Holy Spirit was doing his job. What's the job of the Holy Spirit? To convict the world, or as it says in John 16, 8, when he has come, he will reprove. He will say, you're wrong. That's what he'll say inside of you. You're wrong. He will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And it was because of him, because of God the Holy Spirit, that Adam and Eve knew that. And when anyone sins, it's the faithful work of God, the Holy Spirit, that tells them, you are not right, buster. No, he probably didn't say buster. But uh, one time, our little boy, Joseph, he was little one time. And we had uh, Colleen Ryan, she was working for us. And, 
And uh, he was getting on to Colleen. She was, Colleen was doing some administrative work and went up on the ranch there in Lakeside. And, and Joseph was getting on, his, on, uh, on her nerves. And she, uh, Colleen was from Chicago, and she talked like she was from Chicago because she was from Chicago. Anyway, so she goes up there, and, and he came in there, to, was doing something. And, and she looked at him. She said, now look, Buster. <laughs> and he just got this shattered look on his face. He says, oh, she's in trouble now. So she went running. So he went running to Cheryl. He says, Mom, Mom, she, he, she just called me Buster. <laughs> he didn't even know what it meant, but it had to be bad. <laughs> I don't know if the Holy Spirit says Buster, but anyway. But the Holy Spirit tells you you're wrong. You're wrong. And he discovers and he exposes and he convicts of sin. That's what he does. And he brings to mind, you got a disease. You're diseased. You're diseased inside. And he, that's his work because God can't reveal the cure until he reveals the disease. And that's the way it works. So they became aware of their sin. Then they became aware of their nakedness. And before they disobeyed God, they were just, because they talked about God and God was in their vision and God was in them, they reflected God. They were like the, the they were reflecting God's light. They were, and that was when you looked at Adam and Eve, you saw, oh, that's, you know, I understand about God. This is the glory of God is being reflected off of them. That was their light. But when they sinned, the light went out, and darkness replaced it. And without God, they were, they were naked, and they knew they were naked. And the knowledge of their nakedness, they thought, oh, i got to cover myself. This is bad. When they were walking with God, they reflected God, but now they were naked, and they felt shameful, and they felt guilty, and they felt dirty inside. You remember in my case, how in my case as a teenager, my wild life let me, left me feeling very dirty inside, very, very defiled. I felt so dirty. I felt so ashamed. I felt so wrong inside that I used to take showers for two hours. You know, I was in the dorm in Switzerland. People would ask, you know, what's he doing in there? I don't know. But I was just cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. I was a fanatic with the cleaning. I couldn't clean enough. And I got out of the shower, and I felt just as dirty as I went in the shower. Why? Because I felt ashamed. I didn't talk about it to anybody. It was a secret. But like Adam and Eve, I felt naked. Worse than naked. I felt in need of a cover for sure. Cover up. Anyway, they became aware also of their fear. Their fear. Adam and Eve were conscious of something they'd never known before. Fear. Where'd that come from? They were afraid, he says in verse 10. He said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Why would you be afraid because you're naked? Because you know that you did something wrong and you're exposed. That's a great thought about being exposed. And Tom, I've always thought of Genesis chapter 3 as the dark chapter of Adam's fall. But today was interesting in how you talked about how much we've learned about God by what he did after Adam's fall. Now, how would you sum up who God is from this chapter of the fall? There's one phrase in the New Testament that describes what we learn about God. 
and that is he is the God of all grace. You know, it's true. When we look at Genesis chapter 3, we think to ourselves, oh, it's so terrible, it's so dark, it's so horrible. It was paradise lost. But actually, Genesis chapter 3 is a very exciting chapter because we get to see a side of God that we never saw before, and that's the side of him that is called in the New Testament the God of all grace. There's a great psalm in Psalm 103, 10 through 14, and it sums us all up, and it goes like this. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. You can take this passage here in Psalm 103. You can lift it right out and you can superimpose it right over Genesis 3 and it matches perfectly. Because here we see after the fall, God who could have just by looking at Adam reduced him to ash, reduced him to ash and said, it repents me that I've made man and I'll destroy him. But he didn't. And we see him coming into the garden here and we We see him not dealing, as Psalm 103 says, to to Adam after his sins, nor rewarding Adam according to his iniquities. We see him here. We see him, just as it says, as the heaven is high above the earth, great is his mercy, and great was his mercy to Adam in Genesis chapter 3. And then it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far, and we could say that about Adam, so far he removed Adam's transgressions from him. And like as a father pitieth his children, the Lord pitieth them that fear him. And we see that about God, that he comes into the garden. He remembers that Adam is dust. He had just made him out of the dust of the earth. And like a father, he pities Adam and he clothes Adam in those wonderful coats of skin. And he calls him tenderly out of his hiding place. And he, with compassion, instructs him as a father instructs a child. And he leads his gentle children along. That's the the picture of the God of all grace that we see in Genesis chapter 3, and that's why it's such a great chapter. Wow, it's a fantastic way to view that. Now, Tom, today you also talked about how this chapter shows the typical pattern of man ruining and God providing the remedy. But God's remedy isn't taken by every man. Why do you think that is? Well, that's true. And this is what we do see here in this chapter 3 is we do see this wonder this well this this pattern. Man ruins it, God fixes it. Man's ruin, God's remedy. But as you said, man doesn't always take every man does all does not always take God's remedy. So it's so we can ask the question, why not? Why Adam certainly took God's remedy. Adam accepted those coats of skin, but 
Every person doesn't do that. What is man's greatest ruin? His sin. What is the consequence of man's ruin? An eternity in hell, in flames of fire, suffering, not being able to die, wishing you could die, but not being able to die, a thirst that will never go away, worms that will not uh, uh, disappear, and a continual sorrow. And Well, we can't even speak about it. Hell is so terrible. Well, this is the ruin of man that man heading toward, and God does not want or intend for anybody to end in hell. So he has provided this wonderful remedy of salvation. And now the question, why doesn't everybody take it? The answer is given to us in Proverbs 29.1. It says, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. There is the answer right there. You see, God, as we saw before, is the God of all uh, uh, reproof. He's the God of correction. He's the God of rebuke, always with the goal to bring us back on the track. And God, throughout our lives, throughout everyone's life, is reproving them, is saying, you're wrong here, you're wrong here. But If a person does not respond to God's reproof, if a person does not respond to God's correction and hardens his neck as if to say, I do not have to take it from you, God, or anyone, and I'm going to walk out of here, my own person, and breathe out that breath of independence and freedom. And and if, and if a person does that, that's called hardening his neck. And what it says is that that person will suddenly, in other words, with great shock, the person will say, I'm stunned, I'm astounded, I'm astonished, I had no idea, but shall suddenly be destroyed. And that's what everyone says who's cast into hell and that without remedy. And it's wonderful that we have a free will choice to receive that remedy. And Tom, today you also spoke about how Adam and Eve became aware of their shame. Uh, What importance does becoming aware of shame play in a person's becoming a friend of God? Yeah, it's true. It's very, very important. And perhaps as we've seen, not only here with Adam, but perhaps another great illustration for us to see how important it is for a person to become aware of their shame in order to become a friend of God is revealed to us in the great passage on the woman at the well in John chapter 4. You know, here was a woman who was had a, a life of bankruptcy, Uh, Instead of doing it God's way, she did it her way. She went down the Frank Sinatra road. And her way was she saw those men who were after her just to fulfill their lust. And she said, I'll marry them. And she married them one by one. And she watched them one by one as they, after they were finished with her, cast her off into the gutter. And finally, after doing that five times, Another man comes along, and she doesn't even let him give her the honor of uh, calling her his wife and her to be able to call him her, his, her husband, and she just goes ahead and lives with him. And so, but, and this has left this poor woman at the well very, very thirsty 
for more than just the water in that well, but living water. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes to her and begins to speak to her about her soul's dissatisfaction and how he has the living water, and all she has to do is ask him for the water, and she understands it, and she steps out, and she says, Sir, give me this water that I do not come hither again. In other words, give me the water. She understood. He said, all I have to do is ask, and, she, and, and, uh, and she'd get the water, and she went ahead and, t- and took up his lead and said, okay, give me the water. John chapter 4, verse 16 is very interesting because the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't give her the water, but he says first, Jesus saith unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. And then it says, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. Or literally, it says, you said the truth that time. You see, here she was. She wanted the weather. She wanted the water. But the Lord Jesus Christ discloses a secret shame that she has. She's had five husbands, and the man she has now is not her husband. He, re, he reveals, he, he brings it right out in the open, and she forces her to look at it also and to call it what it is, sin, confront it, confess it, forsake it. You see, those three words are very, very important. Nobody can come to be a friend of God unless he is willing to confront his sin, unless he is willing to confess his sin, unless he is willing to forsake his sin. And that's exactly what he did here with this woman at the well. Oh, he wanted so much to give her the water. He said that. He said, if you knew, I would give you this water. And he said you had to ask what she did. But there was one more necessary step before she could get that water, and she took that step when she confessed to him that she was a sinner. And that's the key to becoming a friend of God, is to have your shame revealed. Thank you for joining us today. Did you enjoy today's message? You can download a free copy of today's message at friendshipwithgod.org, or you can go to israelrestoration.org. to learn more about Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries and the Friendship with God radio program. You can also contact us today at 1-800-247-3051. We can get you a copy of any of Tom Cantor resources, materials, or maybe you know a lost Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel and you need to get a Tom Cantor testimony DVD booklet or other resource or material into their lost hands. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Join us again tomorrow at the same time.